0: My Other Face by Robert P. Fitton Episode 13 Marta is attacked by her deceased husband Someone had blundered Theirs not to make reply Theirs not to reason why Theirs but to do and die Into the valley of death rode the 600 Charge of the Light Brigade Alfred Lord Tennyson. Martyr had hardly spent any time packing the suitcases. She had been talking with her parents around the kitchen table. Slowly and in vivid detail, she went at great lengths to advise them of the day's events. Once again, however, she had very little credibility. Once again, to them, she had very little credibility. In fact, they were downright hostile. Well, what do you expect us to think? Grilled DuPont. You've been imagining... I mean, those flashes of yours. I'll try to remain as calm as I can, began Marta. She was determined to keep a lid on her sanity. We went out to the rink. Jamie, as I told you, has not been acting right. He was a little distant this morning, said Harriet. A little distant? What about the ring in his eyes? The red ring from the bundles. What the hell was that? But I can't tell him about that. No, definitely not. Just stick to the story, Marta. They have to listen. I know what happened. I'm sure of it. Yes, he was distant. I'll give you that, said DuPont. I'll tell you, he's been that way ever since we came back here. Anyway, he was yelling at the kids in the car. He drove the Crosstown Road at over a 100 miles an hour. Nobody could drive that fast on that road, insisted DuPont once again, doubting her. Well, he did, okay? I was there and so were the kids. We went to the rink and he took off with the kids. They went to the back of the island. I went around to find him and almost fell through the ice. When I got back, Jamie was there. He snuck up on us. Oh, he was just fooling around. You know how Jamie likes to play with the kids? You call lifting my son in the air until he turns red playing, throwing him across the ice? I'll show you the cuts and bruises on Mitchie. His nose was all bloodied, and I can prove it. Just like you proved Jamie's death, the ghosts upstairs, the seance, asked DuPont as he hammered away at her. I'm getting damn sick of all this, said Mater as she got up from the table. At that moment, the power seemed to fade and then come back on. Mater, in the light of everything else, was frightened by the change. What was that? Happens every night at midnight, dear, said her mother. Must be the generators at the Pendleton plant. In any event, I'm going to get the children's clothes and then I'm going over to Weissman's apartment. You can come with me if you want and see their bruises. Talk to both the kids if you don't believe me. DuPont was a proud man and didn't want to reveal any weakness, but he knew he had put the pressure on his daughter. Mata, I didn't mean to come down on you like that. He said as he arose. We're just trying to help you. We want to get to the truth. We want things to go right for you. Then start by giving me a little trust. I know what I've seen. As best as I can judge it, it's reality, and that's all I know. Go over to Bernie Weissman's house if you're really scared, but remember, this all could be inside your head. I know that. And I'll find out when I go to the clinic tomorrow. I want to be hypnotized. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going upstairs to get the children's things, she told them, and she left the kitchen. They could hear her going up the stairs to the third floor bedroom. You were too harsh, Albert, scolded Harriet. At least have a little compassion for what the girl is going through, will you? I said I was sorry. That will have to do, replied Albert. "'Not good enough, Albert. "'You never should have crossed the her in the first place.' "'Ah!' he ranted as he turned away from her. "'The door to the kitchen opened, and Ben DuPont, "'his eyes bloodshot from drinking, "'stumbled into the kitchen with a wide grin on his face. "'The booze reeked on his breath. "'Ah, oh, you're a fine sight, you are,' Bellowed DuPont. "'Hello, hello, hello. "'It's been a fine evening out there, very fine, "'and I'm fine tonight.' "'And how are you two wonderful people doing tonight?' he babbled. "'I'm going upstairs with Marta,' said Harriet. "'And just where the hell have you been?' Marta was packing the smaller suitcases hurriedly, as if one more minute in that house would cause her irreparable harm. "'Was that Ben downstairs, Mother?' she asked as she kept packing. "'Yes, it was. Ben has been drinking a little bit tonight,' she answered, not knowing what to say. "'At least he's out enjoying himself.' She said as she thought about Weissman's problem. I mean, if it's not carried to extremes. I know he had a lot of friends down the VFW. Yes, he does, Mother. Your problems. Are they? I mean, is it something I did? She asked as Ben marched to the second floor door, singing loudly. Yes, something I did in your upbringing. Your problems must originate in the past, sometime when you were here with us. It's not that simple, Mother. She said, looking up at her mother for the first time. Ben had reached the landing below and went to the second floor bathroom, still singing. Marta looked below and smiled, turned back to her mother. Johnson told me it's most likely the present pressures on me, that is, the flashes. But from what I've seen, there haven't been any flashes. He also said it could be a physical thing, mother. I've had tests, all negative. But some time, when I was in Los Angeles, I was having one flash a day but jamie in the car i don't know mother she said as she began packing once again the longer i stay in saint august the more i believe that what i've seen is real very real marta that's impossible said her mother as she vigorously shook her head is it is it mother she asked with a grin as the front door of the house slammed. marta's face dropped she jerked her head to the right and could feel the frigid air flowing into the house Outside, the two dogs owned by the DuPonts began to howl, a low and mournful wail as they looked directly at the moon. What's going on now? Jeff Bother, dear. He's just checking the doors before we go to bed. Then why is it getting so cold in here? He must have left the door wide open. You continue your packing, Martha. I'll go down and talk to your father. Maybe he did leave the door open again, although that would be a cardinal sin in his book. You know how he... She stopped speaking when she heard noises below. Things seemed to be flying all over the downstairs rooms. Glass was breaking and the walls thundered with the impact of hurled objects.
1: What are you doing?
0: They heard Albert Dupont shout through the two floors. Are you crazy? Put that damn thing down. It's Jamie, said Marta with her eyes wide open. Jamie has come back to kill us all. Marta, don't say that. And what the hell is going on? As she spoke, her father yelled loudly,
1: No! No! Oh, oh, oh.
0: He sounded like a steer being put to slaughter. Both men clutched each other as each successive cry for help walked the farmhouse with runaway terror. Down the stairs, commanded Martyr. Her upper lip protruded. No, we'll be killed, cried her mother, frozen on the spot. Her mind ceased to have the capacity for action, as her husband's groans slowly faded away. Down now, ordered Marta, pulling the woman down the winding stairs to the second floor. Wasting no time, they went for the bedroom, locked the door, and hurried to the connecting bathroom. Marta opened the door. Ben was quietly spread out on the floor in a a drunken stupor. Whoever or whatever was in the kitchen was now making its way down the hallway and onto the staircase itself. She heard the first footstep and then turned quickly to Ben. They had to leave the farmhouse at once. Ben, wake up, wake up, she cried, slapping his face. That failed to bring him around. She went over to the sink and filled the drinking glass. Throwing the water through the air, she saw it splash across her brother's face. And then he started to wake up. Mighty baby, mighty baby, he smiled as the footsteps came closer. "'Ben, there's a murderer downstairs!' she said as the footsteps reached the landing. "'Ben, we have to get out of here!' "'A murderer! Murderer!' he slurred as she helped him to his feet. "'I'll get him! I'll get him!' "'No, no, we have to get out!' said Marta. "'It would be more difficult now, however, as the lights in the house all went dead. "'The intruder had gotten to the fuse box in the landing closet. "'Oh, God!' screamed as she pushed on the bathroom window raising it and the cold air rushed inside we have to jump on the garage roof it's the only way it's the only way the window slammed shut she attempted to raise it again but it was riveted shut damn cried ben as he too tried to lift it open but with all his strength he couldn't make it move the other room the other room yelled Marta as the intruder spoke for the first time. Despite the loudness and deepness of the voice, Marta knew it well.
1: Marta! Uh, I come for you! You will join us!
0: Open the damn window, Ben, she cried in panic. I tell you, it's being held down there somehow. I raised a little and come slamming back down.
1: The bloody death. The life in death. You will die, Mata. Painful death, suffering like your father below. Ben! Cut to a thousand pieces of bloody flesh.
0: Ben raised his arm and cupped it inside the sleeve of his army jacket. With a vicious blow, he swung his fist directly at the panes of glass, not once but several times. The glass wouldn't even crack. He pounded furiously at one window and then the other. But it was no use. It was as if they were in another world where the physical laws of the universe had no meaning. A world controlled and dominated by the man who was at the point of busting the door to splinters. Look, 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 said Ben. His sobriety improved with each passing second. I'll decoy him. When he comes after me, I'll draw him over. But he'll kill you, Meyer exclaimed. I've been through the worst. this." Get over by the high boy. I'll hold him off, and then I'll get out of here myself. Hurry. Marta led her mother to the other side of the room, and they crouched down behind the high boy and out of the moonlight. Ben moved forward to the door and assumed a karate stance, ready to level Jamie Pendleton as he came into the bedroom. Top of the door collapsed, swinging on its hinges over into the closet. Like a creature from a child's nightmare, Jamie stood in the doorway, his eyes now constantly surrounded by red rings. Ben could see the red glow distinctly and the silhouette of Jamie's body. A frightening glow made him hesitate. Jamie kicked the bottom part of the door. Ben shouted out to him. I'm right here, you miserable coward. Come face me like a man if you have the gut. Jamie's eyes seemed to glow even brighter as if an all-enveloping tide of rage had filled his body across the room in short, jerky motions, his arms outstretched for Ben's neck. Ben leaped toward him, yelling something in Japanese as he delivered an assortment of karate chops kicks to Jamie's body. Grunting and gasping like a wild boar, Jamie shunned the death-threatening blows as if they did not exist at all. Marta grasped her mother's arms, yanking across the room to the outside landing. They had escaped, But her mother began to scream, not wanting to leave her son back in the bedroom with the madman. She slipped her daughter's grip and headed back inside. Ben was in the far corner of the room now, swinging at Jamie with every last ounce of strength. But it did him no good. Jamie thrust his arms around Ben's body and squeezed. Ben kept punching, scratching, biting, and flailing Jamie in vain. But Jamie was going to squeeze the life right out of him. Mother. No! No! cried Mrs. DuPont. Leave my Ben alone! Jamie, still holding Ben, turned quickly and cast his glowing eyes upon Harriet. As Harriet rushed him, he lifted his leg high into the air. With an almost Herculean strength, he crushed his right foot into her abdomen, sending her sailing through the room. Marta screamed now, but was thinking clear enough to break the corner of the bedpost. She would use it as a club to get her mother out of the bedroom. Jamie was just toying with Ben. In a swift motion, he lifted the body of her brother into the air, and as if he were breaking a stick of kindling, started to smash Ben over his knee. Like that piece of wood, the unbelievable force that Jamie possessed snapped Ben's body in two, severing it in a gushy thud. He took the upper half and heaved it against the far wall, spraying Marta with blood. Picking up Ben's legs, through the lower portion of Ben's body onto the bed. It graphically bounced up and down on the mattress. With no remorse, he turned to Mata and her mother. Marta was not screaming now. The bizarre sight of her brother cut in half left her dumbfounded. Martyr lifted her mother to her feet. But Harriet was too injured to walk and probably bleeding internally now. Jamie moved in on them in the same short, jerky movements. Marta swung the bedpost club at his head several times. The impact was evident. Ben had gouged Jamie's face with bloody scratches, and the bedpost opened wounds above his eyes and broke his nose.
1: You cannot stop me.
0: He smiled confidently, like he was virtually unstoppable. Harriet collapsed and Jamie moved in. Marta tried futilely to pull her mother out of the room. Jamie thought this was terribly amusing and started laughing laughing so loudly that his voice echoed around the entire farmhouse, filling every room with a deadly vibration. He stepped on her mother's legs as she pulled, stopping her progress for a second, but letting her pull just a little more before he stopped her again. Let us go! Let us go! What kind of a man are you? Let us go! She shouted, her words grinding together incoherently.
1: There is no escape for you, Marta. You will live to die.
0: He said as his face tightened and the eyes brightened. He began ruthlessly stomping on her mother's body, crushing the older woman's bones as if they were sun-dried twigs. And then he grinned, a grin of ultimate satisfaction and power. No, no, cried Marta as he pushed the life out of her mother's body. Once again she swung the bedpost but he caught it with his hand and pulled it away. To her utmost horror he commenced to pummel the older woman's body with the wood thrashing and mashing the lifeless corpse with her mother unquestionably dead and her brother's body in two pieces. Marta backed up. She felt her way toward the shattered door as Jamie kept hacking away at the body. He saw her and in his furor, now directed his attentions toward her. As she sprinted toward the landing, he hurled the bedpost out the door. It made a whooshing sound, narrowly missing her and slamming into the plaster to her right. I will kill you, he shouted, like a wild gorilla who had just left the cage. Marta leaped down five or six steps, sliding on her tailbone and tumbling head over heel to the first floor. Her out of control husband was now at the top of the stairs, She got to her feet, staggered for a few steps, and she rushed into the darkened kitchen. She slammed the hallway door and locked it securely. The room's only light came from the moonlight, which was spread across the kitchen table. As she moved forward, she tripped once more and fell onto a wet, sticky substance like mushy dough. She looked up in the moonlight and saw that she was lifting her hands from her father's innards, which had been hacked apart by Jamie when he first came into the house. No! 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 She cried as she sprang to her feet. At that instant, Jamie reached the door, pounding and kicking it, just like the bedroom. It would only be a matter of time. She raced to the outside door and tried to turn the brass knob. But Jamie was holding it back, just like when Ben had tried to open the window. It was held with a force she was not going to overcome. But she tried anyways, punching at the glass to no avail. Something else had to be done. There were only two entrances to the DuPont kitchen. Jamie was in the process of smashing through one of them, and the other was locked. She merely stood in the center of the room, and thoughts of her own death were becoming more real with each blow to the door. Holy God, holy God in heaven, what do I do now? He's only a few seconds away. There is no exit, no exit. And I heard the angel of the water say, Just art thou in these judgments, thou who art and was, O Holy One. For men have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink. It is their due, no exit. But to fight, I have to fight him. With what? He has unfathomable strength. Force, he'll crush me like he crushed them. Oh, God, think quick, Marta, think quick. Dear God, let me think quick. A knife, no, he'll grab it before I can do anything. Not good enough. closet, the axe is in the closet. Daddy's axe was always in the closet. She grasped it in both hands and pulled it out. With just enough time, she slinked across the room, positioning herself next to the door. Jamie made his final push and knocked the door into the kitchen. Her hands were clammy as she raised the axe into
1: the air. You cannot elude me. It is impossible, Marta. One noise and I say you are dead.
0: He said as he took a full step into the room. She kept her mouth open wide so he wouldn't hear her breathing.
1: One noise. You make one noise and I will put my fingers around your neck.
0: He was right next to her now and she could see the glow in his eyes. At any moment he could turn and see her standing right there. Despite all that he had done, despite the power that he had to kill her, she could not bring herself to lower the axe. All the memories, all the pleasant times, all the early years were still in her mind. Under that ugly facade was the man she had married. Her legs shook now. The axe handle vibrated in her hands. She shuffled her foot to the left in order to stop the shaking, but she had hit the leg of the chair and Jamie spun around. There you are, he exclaimed in a bloodthirsty growl. She let the axe go this time, with all her might thrashing through his shoulder. He hollered in pain with a thunder that shook the house. He seemed to lose whatever power he possessed. The axe embedded in his shoulder as he fell to his knees. She leaped by him, but he grabbed for her ankle. His cold hand reached around her ankle bone. She slipped away, however, and tripped toward the kitchen door.
1: I will get you!
0: He gasped.
1: When the time is right, I will get you.
0: She took the car keys from the hook next to the door and, and grasped the doorknob. It twisted easily but she had to use all her strength to pull the door open. She had it open just enough to squeeze into the cold air. The door slammed shut behind her as she ran toward the station wagon. His voice still echoing loudly around the house as she slipped over the ice to the car. She was running for her life now and had to get away. To her surprise, the force which Jamie had somehow acquired was still present even at this distance. She had to struggle to get the car door open. Once inside, she yanked the keys from her pocket. They shook in her hands as she attempted to put them in the ignition. In front of her, the kitchen door opened wide, and Jamie, the axe still in his shoulder, hobbled outside. He lifted up his other arm and pointed at her.
1: I will kill you.
0: (laughs) She dropped the keys and bent over to pick them up. Jamie kept his arm raised upward as he lumbered toward her. She grabbed the keys and put them in the ignition as he got closer. No! Go back! Go back! No! No! She yelled as she wildly tried to start the car. The engine caught and she shifted into reverse. Jamie leaped forward, the axe in his right arm falling onto the hood of the car. He crawled toward the windshield as she backed up. Even though the car was moving, somehow he was spread eagle right over the windshield. The bloody stump where his arm had been attached was smeared across the glass. She floored the pedal and the car shot quickly into the street. Jamie had clung on and began bashing his remaining fist into the windshield. The force of his blows were still strong, and he cracked the glass, breaking it more and more until he pushed his bloody hand through the safety glass. Marta stepped on the accelerator again and whipped the station wagon around the corner. Jamie flew off the car this time, careening and tumbling to the side of the street and into the snow. She threw the car in a drive and skidded away from the horror. Farmhouse Jamie and the blood-covered snow faded in the rearview mirror. The detached limb, however, was still on the hood. She gasped for every breath as the limb's fingers began to move like a spider as it crept down the hood toward the hole in the windshield. It shot through and the hand tightened around her windpipe. The station wagon was traveling at a very fast rate now, and the hand, dripping with blood from the exposed bones, was cutting off her air. She was getting farther and farther away from the farmhouse as the car swerved along the road, but the power seemed to fade. The hand's grip grew less strenuous, and she was finally able to rip the limb from her throat. She approached the intersection to the highway and slowed the car, hurling the limb off the car. It landed next to the stop sign, and she sped away down the highway. It was ten past one o'clock in the morning, and Weissman was worried. He had called the farmhouse several times during the past hour, but got a busy signal each time. He sat on the floor watching an old B-movie on the television. At this late hour, he was very tired, and every so often he'd get up to check for Marta every time he pulled back the curtains he could see the street below was quiet occasionally a dog or a cat would scurry under the street light but there was no sign of Marta the movie continued and Weissman finally succumbed to fatigue Marta slammed on the brakes she quickly was out of the car and bounded up the stairs she pounded on the door calling Weissman's name like a maniac half a minute later Weissman opened the door He looked unsure as to what was happening. The children, still in their clothes, were out of his bedroom now, rubbing their eyes as Marta ran in hysterically, her hair frazzled, but there was no blood. Bundles of pain, desecration, and butchery, she screamed as she ran by them into the front room. Her eyes were wide open as she hurried up to the sofa and leaped at the drapes, pulling them from their housing. The experience had broken her mind, and she fell forward, hitting the floor with a thud. Mommy, what's the matter with mommy? Nothing, nothing, Weissman told the boy. He ran to Mata and bent over her sprawled body. Matta, can you hear me? He said as he cupped her head in his hands. He slowly opened her eyes. She didn't seem to know where she was. The power. He had the power. He's the devil. The devil, she yelled crazily. The living dead. Mumbled Weissman under his breath as she fell back into his arms and lost consciousness. Children began crying. What's wrong with Mommy? Mommy is sick. Mommy's sick, said Weissman as he grabbed a cushion from the sofa and placed it under Marta's head. I want you kids to go back in the bedroom, get some blankets, and let's go to sleep. Everybody will sleep, including your mother. They ran from the room and Weissman picked up the telephone. He thumbed through the telephone book and quickly dialed the town hospital. Yeah, this is Bernie Weissman, he said, looking at Mater on the floor. I need an ambulance sent out to my apartment. This is an emergency. Yes, of course, Bernie. You're in that yellow building across from the church, right? Right, right. Well, I'll have to, she said as she spoke away from the receiver. Dr. Andrews, an emergency at Bernie Weissman's house. Hello, Dr. Andrews here, he said as he took the telephone. Steve! Steve! Bernie Weissman, Mata Pendleton, just came running into my apartment. She's delirious and passed out. breathing, asked Andrews as the children came into the room with pillows and blankets. Yeah, it's like her mind just snapped. Keep her warm and elevate her feet. The ambulance will be on its way. We'll have trained personnel inside, Bernie. I'll be right at the emergency entrance when she arrives. Just do what I say until they get there. Join us next time. For My Other Face, by Robert P. Fitton. Produced by Fitton Theatre of the Words.